Welcome to the New Beginnings Community Church Podcast. Here at NBCC, we welcome the imperfect, flawed, and broken, as much as the healing and thriving, because we are all God's children. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. Well, we are here in the second message of our current series, and um, uh, this series is called Effective Christianity, and it is uh, the series that I told you, I told you last week, that we, um, that I was going to do a series called The Other Side of COVID, and how COVID led us down a certain road of, of thinking a way that wasn't biblical, and I wanted to try to reverse those effects in some minds if not every mind, uh, because we're to be biblical thinkers, not worldly thinkers. Amen to that one? We know the God of this world controls this world. Scripture says that. There's a domain of darkness, and yet we are the kingdom of God. We're to walk in a whole different way. And so uh, today I want to talk about, um, last week I talked about the gag order, the mask. And, and by the way, I'm not here to debate mask or not. You want to wear a mask? Great. You don't want to wear a mask? Great. And nobody pick on each other, you know, because somebody's wearing a mask or not. Just, just leave it alone, Okay. Um, whether you get vaccinated or not, it's not my business, it's your business, um, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm not here to talk about those things. Uh, you can dialogue it out on the, on, the, on the way out of the driveway. No, I'm just joking. Um, but uh, last week I talked about how they quieted us down, where a lot of talking was limited and a lot of sharing, sharing our faith with others, was opportunities were probably lost because it got real quiet. Amen on that one? And, but even before that, they were telling us, you keep that faith to yourself. We'll talk about that in a bit. But today I want to talk about the next thing about the other side of COVID affected Christianity. It is not good. Now, it's a weird title, but it's based on an Old Testament uh, statement in the very beginning of God. And if you ever want to see how to correctly live, go back to the beginning in Scripture, and you'll find out exactly how humans are, are to live, the way it was. But God, when He creates Adam and Eve, man and woman, Ish, Isha, um, he, uh, he sees after he creates, I should say, just Adam, he looks around and Adam names all the animals, they all have partners, and then he knows Adam doesn't have a partner. So that's obviously, God says, it's not good for man to be alone. Thus my title, it is not good. Now I can guarantee you that when Satan heard the statement, it is not good for man to be alone, Satan said, well, we'll just see about that, huh? And by the way, the only thing that God said was not good in the original creation was non-fellowship. You ever think about that? Everything was good except non-fellowship was the one thing that was not good. Now, when Satan hears it's not good for man to be alone, he says, well, we'll, we'll figure that, we'll, we'll fix that. So then you find in Genesis 3 after Eve comes along, she's created, um, then uh, the serpent gets Adam and Eve to sin and so from there, they sow fig leaves together because now the fall has taken place. We live in a fallen world. If you ever wonder, look around, why is it so crazy? Friends, you live in a fallen world. It's what it is. Mankind has made himself God. And that's the, if you ever want to see anything like that, read Romans chapter 1, New Testament. You'll see the problem right there. It's point upon point what we're living. And it's not just our generation, it's every generation. Um, now, so... So they sow fig leaves and they cover up. Now in a marriage, in relationships, we have distance. Now we're, and I know, don't raise your hand, but I know there are people in this room watching at home that some of you, even though married, you have felt very alone in that marriage at times. You have felt that way because this has always been um, one of the strategies of the devil, get us alone, get us away from each other. 
And then what do they do when God comes along? Then they jump into trees. And now they're distant from God and no, there's no relationship right there. And so you see where Satan is trying to distance us, distance us, distance us. Great strategy, great strategy. Now, everywhere we've gone last year, everywhere you saw, and they're still there. If you go to places, you still see the stickers on the floor, six feet apart, social distancing. Am I right? Better yet, quarantine yourself. How many of you went to wherever, I'll just say Target, you went to Target last year with a mask on, and you had a sneeze, and you're afraid to sneeze? Am I right? You think they're going to call the sneeze police, right? Arrest that man for sneezing, you know? And you're, you're thinking everybody's going to think, I have COVID or this and that or whatever. Now, um, like I said, I'm not here to debate COVID with you. I had COVID, you know, and I, I got through it. Um, but I do know like everything that nowadays and before, everything's politicized, right? So I can't stand watching the news anymore. It's like, they just, just stop now. Um, but everything's politicized. But bigger than just poli- pol- politicians politicizing everything, Satan will never waste a good crisis, right? He never will. And he's going to use this crisis to try to get us to separate from each other. And it worked really, really well. Now, <clears throat> they said you distance. But it's not good for man to be alone. <laughs> I was um, about two months ago, three months ago, I went, I'm going to date myself. First service, they're a little bit older on average, some of them, so they can relate to me better. So I'm going to risk it right now, okay? Um, how many know who the Herman's Hermits are? Raise your hand. Okay. I grew up as a Herman's Hermits fan, you know, and so, um, uh, and so I never got to see them, and they came to a local place in Ontario or Montclair, and we went to see the Herman's Hermits, the real band, Peter Noon. I mean, they're walking around like, no, they're not walking around like that. But Peter Noon was all over the place, man. It was like, this is great. And, you know, nobody's wearing masks. We're all free. And, and so Peter Noon, he's in the audience, and, he's coming, and he comes by me, and he's got his mic, and he's got his hand up like this. I thought he wanted to high-five me. <laughs> right? If somebody's next to you like this, don't you think that? High-five, right? So I went up to high-five him, and on the mic in front of the whole crowd, me, he goes, no touching, no touching. I felt humiliated, my friends. He left me hanging right there. So I went and jumped him. No, I didn't jump him. I wanted to jump him, but... Uh, I didn't, and I'm thinking, really, Peter? You're singing, breathing over all of us, but no touching, no touching. Okay, but that's the way they got it. It's like, keep your distance, no touching, don't be around anyone. Now, I want you to think about this, because they said, you distance yourself. We were created for fellowship. Let me, I'll prove it right now. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, this is not in your notes, this is just free stuff. You could type double on it if you want, but anyway. God says, let us, us make man in our image and in our likeness. Notice the us, our, and our. What God is saying in there, he's saying, look, there's a plurality of persons in the one Godhead. You follow me? So that means that God in the Godhead is a fellowship in himself, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Follow me on that? God is a fellowship. And then he creates humans. Now, two verses later in Genesis 1.28, he says, and God said to them, ah, now God brings them, Adam and Eve, into the fellowship with God. Because mankind is created as a fellowship because God is a fellowship. Follow me so far? So we're created for fellowship. Then you flash forward to the New Testament and you find um, John the disciple, the apostle, in John 1.1, he says, in the beginning was the word, 
and the word was with God and the word was God now with means plurality Father, Son, Holy Spirit again so you see the fellowship of God and then at verse 12 then you see where it says and to as many as received him Jesus to them he gave the right to be called the sons of God the daughters of God then so you see the, the fellowship of God and then we get invited into the fellowship when we become born again Christians amen to that one so you see this whole thing of fellowship becomes vitally important because God is a fellowship and we're invited into the fellowship. But then they said, sorry, you distanced yourself. And I thought, last year as I was observing, I thought, what a brilliant satanic scheme to get people to be alone. Alcoholism rose, suicide rose. How many people who already felt alone in life felt even more lonely? You ever think about stuff like that? You ever think about that? No, they just kept ramming everything in our face. You know, you just distance, distance, distance. It was a brilliant strategy of Satan. And many churches, like I said last week, did not survive. They just did not survive. They, they killed the churches, some of them in America. Now, hold that thought because we're called to partnership with each other. We're called to fellowship and it's not good to be alone. But hold the thought. Let's look at the key verse for the series. We do this every week in a particular series. I want you to read Matthew 16, 18 with me. All together, one, two, three. I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will fill my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. Now, let's break it down again for you. Because this is Jesus speaking. He says, you are Peter. Now, before this moment, Peter's name was Simon. But Jesus now changes it to Peter. Now, Peter means a small stone. It doesn't mean he's the Pope or he's this giant rock that the church is built on. The church is not built on a human. And Peter had a mother-in-law, which means he had a, a wife. Popes don't have wives. And that's in the gospel. So this whole thing that he was the first Pope, it's a man-made thing, guys. Just all man-made. It's not, it's not biblical. You never find it. Nothing like that in there. Now, he says, you are Peter. Then he says, and upon this rock, now the word rock is an interesting word because it's the idea of a bunch of stones coming together to form a massive giant slab. Oh, so upon a rock of a bunch of pieces of stone coming together of which Peter is one of the stones coming together to form a giant slab. Now he gives a more definition. Upon this rock I'll build my church. Oh, so church, ecclesia, the called out ones. You and I are called out for a specific purpose on this planet in our lifetime to carry out the kingdom of God against the domain of darkness any amens on that here's the problem and us preachers are guilty of leading you down these wrong roads we have made church the word church into a meeting place it's incorrect church is a movement it has nothing to do with the building the building just used for function and to come together in fellowship. But we're a movement. And yes, we're to come together in the building and in fellowships and whether you're in small group, whatever, we're to come together. But we're a movement because we are fighting back, Jesus said, the gates of hell. Follow so far? And the word gates, if you follow your Old Testament, you know in antiquity, in ancient days, cities had walls to protect themselves and they had gates. And the gates were where the leading people, the civil leaders of the city would come. They'd make decisions. It was the place of authority. 
And so now Jesus, you put it all together, you're saying, when we come together, when we form a movement and we're not isolating ourselves or social distancing ourselves, but when we come together physically in a movement all together, partnering together, the gates of hell will be pushed back. But the contrary is true. If we decide to isolate, distance, stay away from church, uh, fellowship I should say, then the gates of hell start to win. The fourth message in this series will be called, Who's, who's Going to Win? Who Will Win? And it's going to be based off that verse specifically. But we're called to be part of a movement, to participate in that movement, to drive back the gates of hell while we are alive on planet earth. This is our job, this is our calling. It's the highest calling of life. Thus, our statement phrase for the series is this, one, two, three, how? Effective faith in a... Let's try that again. One, two, three. How to live faith in a defective world. We bring light into darkness. We bring right side up into upside down. We bring the morality of God. We bring the spirit into places. Wherever you walk into, wherever you are, the spirit of God came there because he came in with you. And you are shedding that light. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they'll see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Jesus said that in Matthew chapter 5. And we're to do that. So we're called to live effective faith in a defective world, in a world that so desperately needs Jesus Christ. We're to live a certain way, act a certain way. And we're called to come together in a movement, not a meeting place, but a movement to drive back those gates of hell. So... I got two points for you today. I don't have three, but don't worry. You'll get your money's worth, all right? So here we go. Number one, as we look at it, it's not good for man to be alone. Number one, Jesus said go. Society said? They said, no, you don't. No, you don't. Now, I'm going to give you just two verses, uh, multiple verses, but I'll give you two. In Matthew 28, 19, watch what Jesus says. In fact, read it with me. Just humor me. Here we go. One, two, three. Go, there, Stop. Say those two words again. Go, therefore. Stop. You know the word go? The Greek tense? It means going. It doesn't just mean go. Once you go, then you stop. It means you're always going. And so the rest of the verse tells you what you should always be doing, what you should always be going. Watch. Let's read it now all together. One, two, three. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the... Holy Spirit. This is what we're supposed to be doing, guys. Go, go. Society says no, no. Now, let me go to Acts chapter 1. If you have your Bible there. Wow, I flipped the whole book and it opened up to that page. That's anointing, guys. Right there. Now, Acts 1.8 says this. this. is Jesus' last words before he ascends to heaven, after the resurrection. But you, you, will receive power. Greek is dunamis, dynamite, miracle working power, second experience of the Spirit of God. All you have to do is ask to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. I do every morning, every morning. You see power and the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my what? My what? My witnesses, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. Now notice, he says, you and I are to be witnesses for Jesus Christ. This is what he's telling. He is telling us this. This is Jesus' words. Jerusalem is right here. 
Then Judea is the area, and then scattered, and then Samaria is further north outside of Judah, and then to the rest of the world. That means go, get out, do these things, get in people's lives, share faith, don't shut yourself off from other people. That's what he's saying. In other words, we're called to be in active duty. Any amens on that? Now, whenever I say stuff like this in a situation like this, I got to think, okay, there's some minds here that are giving rebuttals already in their head. And I have to think about that as I'm trying to get my point across Scripture. Because somebody's going to say, but Jim, is a pandemic. Oh, I didn't even know that, you know. Yeah, it was a pandemic. But what about the people in hospitals unsaved that died and went into hell for eternity? Because pastors like me and lay people were not allowed to go in there and share with them and pray with them to lead them to Christ. You ever think about that? I think about that. Kind of makes your world straighten out, doesn't it? Jim, you would have gone in there? Yeah. Let me, let me, here's what I try to do to make people think instead of just getting crazy on me. I try to take this and put it in a different context as you could see the reality of what we're saying here. Because all you hear out there is one context, scream in your face, and nobody, they're not making sense. But let me put a different context. Would I have gone in there? Yes. What's the difference between me as a pastor, or pastors or lay people going in there and laying hands on people with COVID in these units and praying. What's the difference between that and the missionary, of which we support some, who go to countries where if they, if they convert someone to Christ, they can be thrown in prison for the rest of their life, if not beheaded. What's the difference? What's the difference? Nothing. Nothing. Those missionaries go there, they understand something we need to get back again. They had boldness. They understand the impact and, and what, what a soul's worth is. Here, and I've said this, I'll say it again. Why is it that last year we reacted like death just finally showed up, like we'd never known about death before? It's always been here. And I told you, Jesus already solved the dilemma. He conquered death through the resurrection, did he not? Look, Paul says, not in your notes, in 2 Corinthians 5, when he says, for this earthly tent, a tent is not a permanent structure. Your body is not going to live in this state forever. It's not, it's temporary. How many of you woke up this morning going, my body's killing me? Just from age, right? Anybody? How many tried going to sleep last night? You go, I can never get comfortable anymore. Yeah, it's, it's your body's it's aging a bit, okay? But it's an earthly tent. But then he goes on to say, but when this earthly tent is gone, then God, we have a building from God, building, an edifice. He says, that is eternal. So Jesus, he solved the dilemma of death. He said, you don't have to worry about it. You don't have to be afraid of it because you as a follower of Christ, you're going to live forever in the right place. Any amens on that? And so, if we start thinking biblically like this again, maybe we'll start to operate as a, a movement again, instead of being panicked and, and afraid of everything. Now listen, listen. I, I've, I've given this way too much thought. I really, I really have. 
But here's my observation, and I guess it's my fear. I think too many Christians have become practical atheists. I'm not saying you're not going to heaven, but you're thinking like an atheist, like there's no hope after you die. Do you, are you following what I'm saying? When do we get back to the real deal, to the biblical worldview? Look. <clears throat> My, you, you already know, my wife was in the hospital 11 days with COVID. It was bad. So I know what COVID is. I've seen it. I carried her like a limp doll to the car, me and Dylan did, to get her to the hospital. In there 11 days. I'll tell you, though, there was a three-day period where nobody's calling me, from, and I'm thinking, what's going on? What's going on? What's going on? I'm trying to get, what's going on? But if they would have called me, and if they would have said, Mr. Del Campo, your wife's not going to make it. Sorry. Husbands, would you like me storm the hospital? You know you would. And you could care less what anybody thinks. And you, yeah, you'd have seen me on the news, arrested, local crazy pastor. <laughs> Storm Kaiser Riverside. There he is, because, you know, the media loves to make us look like idiots and fools. That should tell you right there, there's a real devil. I would have stormed that place. Because I'm going to get there and lay hands on my wife to pray for my wife. Anybody with me on that one? You know you would. You could care less about anything else. You're going to get in there. See, we, we forget, or maybe we just never knew, and maybe it's my fault for not laying this foundation down bigger. Jesus said, don't, don't fear the person who can kill your physical body. You need to fear the person who can kill your physical body and your soul in hell for eternity. Well, the only one who can do that is Jesus. And you and I are born again if you've confessed Christ as Lord, right? So guess what? You have nothing to fear. Nothing to fear. Because you're going to live forever. Society said, no, you're not going. Jesus says, go. You're going to go. You're going to minister. You're going to partner. You're going to fellowship. You're going to do these things. Now, that's my first point. My second point, here we go. The first followers gathered live. We live stream. Anybody like me hate Zoom meetings? Oh my God. Nobody, it's my jokes come too late in the meeting. <laughs> and then the mask. I don't even know if anybody, when you had to wear masks in here, I couldn't tell if you were smiling or just really ticked off at me. And you know, it's just hard to, to read stuff like that. But they, here's what they said, and I've heard this. This is the new normal. Okay, let me tell you first off. That's not normal. This is not normal. God is a fellowship. We're supposed to fellowship. This whole thing of staying away, that's not normal, guys. Okay, lest you think I'm callous and I'm not. Look, if you're sick or on vacation, live stream's fantastic. Some of you watch me from other states, you know. Um, and if you're physically 
unable, I mean, physically, you can't make it. Live streams, praise the Lord for live stream. But as I said last week, they, they t- talked last week, they told us, mask up, you're not talk, don't talk, don't spread germs. You know, but before that, they were telling us, you keep this stuff to yourself. While everybody else gets to spat out their worldview, right? But that's what they tell Christians. You keep it to yourself. That should tell you right there, if you're not a believer, why is that? Why is Christianity so dangerous? And Buddha and Allah and everything else, oh, you can talk about that all you want. But why is Christianity so dangerous? Because there's a real spirit behind these things. Because Jesus is alive. He's not dead. He was seen by eyewitnesses dying, and he was seen by eyewitnesses resurrected. He was seen. It's, it's, it's an evidence thing. You're not a blind faith. There's a real, real spirit behind these things. So when the name Jesus comes up, people get tense because he's really alive because there's real devils too. Now, last week I shared the story, and I'll share more of it next week, in Acts, where the man at the gate, beautiful, in Acts 3, he's crippled. Peter says, silver and gold I have none, but that which I have in the name of Jesus, rise and walk. Remember that story? Say yes, you do remember Okay, good. And then after that, oh, the religious leaders are in uproar because they don't want to believe in Jesus. They haul Peter and the gang in and they tell him, you are not going to talk about Jesus. You're not going to talk about the resurrection. You're going to shut up. Gag order. Shut up. Keep it to yourself. What does Peter say? He says, well, you decide if we should obey you or obey God. What a great response. <laughs> uh, God, uh, yeah. And then they let Peter go, but they threaten him. You keep that Jesus stuff to yourself, like they do today. Do you know where Peter goes? You know where the, he goes with the gang? Watch. In Acts chapter 4, verse 23. Here's where he goes. Watch this. When they had been released, they went to their... Let me try it again. When they had been released, they went to their... Own companion and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. What do they do? As soon as they leave, threaten, don't talk, don't do they go right into fellowship and then they testify. Isn't that something? This is early church stuff. This is the way it's supposed to happen. Sidebar Yeshiva University did a, uh, a study, a scientific study, and they, they found this that if a person attends religious services at least once a week, they have a 20% uh, chance uh, reduced risk of death. You have a 20% reduced risk of death if you just go to religious services once a week. Isn't that something? But you know, at least you should know, that if the opposite were true, if they did a study and they said, if you attend religious services at least once a week, you have a 20% chance more of dying. That would have been in every newspaper around the world, would it not? They would have spread that everywhere. See, this whole... You get, but no, because it proved that this is a good thing. We're not putting that out there. Like they did studies on prayer, how it helps people. They, you never hear that. But if it was the opposite, oh, we're going to tell everybody how this is a waste of time. That should tell you right there, if you're not a believer, there's a real devil. There's a real spiritual battle here. Now, here we go. So they go to fellowship. Peter leaves. They go to fellowship. They begin to testify. Okay, so, uh, so um, it was um, in June. And after church, uh, my wife says, you know, wh- where do you want to eat at? And, you know, if you're married or dating, you know how it goes, right? Where do you want to go? No, where do you want to go? No, you name. No, you name. And here's how it goes. And she says, just name a place. I go, and I name the place. She goes, I don't want to eat there. <laughs> Am I right? <laughs> right, men? How many feel that pain, Right? Come on, let's go have a small group right now. 
You know no matter what you say, I don't want to eat there. Then why'd you tell me name the place? And so, um, see, I just healed some of your marriages right now. <laughs> so we decide Pollo Loco. Okay, Pollo Loco. So I go home, and like a good submissive wife, she goes, gets, I'm just joking. <laughs> That's my line, okay? Bad Jim is my line. So, but she goes, she went to get it. And uh, she gets home with it, and she said, Jim, uh, I had to go get it on Ontario Avenue because the one over here on River Road, it was closed. Now, come on, you know why it's closed. They can't get workers. You know that, right? Haven't you been to restaurants? Haven't you seen all the hi hiring, hiring signs? Haven't you seen that? It's everywhere. Haven't you been to restaurants where one waitress is going out of her mind? And where they don't have enough cooks in there to cook? Haven't you seen that? It's insane. All these jobs, and people don't want to take them. And you're going to, I'm going to say, let me say this before that so you don't rebuttal me in your head. You say, well, they need to pay them more. Okay, <laughs> economics guy. If you raise all these prices here, and these people make, say, two more, three more dollars an hour, do you think it's going to be better off for them? Because it's going to raise all the other prices. It's going to raise everything everywhere. It's going to be less money they'll have, really. And if somebody doesn't like what they're doing, then go to school. Go to a trade school. Work your way up to a company. Choose to do something different. But don't blame things. Any amens on that? Yeah. Come on, quit complaining about it. Just go do something different. Okay. I need to run for office. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> As I told you last week, no, because I've been saved 42 years. They'll go back 43 years and find out something I did 43 years ago. And they'll say it today, and I got to resign, you know, because... 43 years ago, you know what you said and did. It's so, is that ridiculous or what? They did, they've done that with the Olympics. How many Japanese leaders had to resign Olympic Committee people because of something happened like a zillion years ago? Have you noticed? Have you, did you know that? It's crazy. It's just crazy. But anyway, that's another story. Don't get me off on that, okay? Don't, don't. Okay, so back to Pollo Loco. So... <laughs> So they can't get people to work. So they shut down. And why? They're giving away money. Why would I go to work if you're going to give me money? Am I right? Well, I'm not going to go to work. Paul, you're loco. See you later. You're loco. <laughs> and of course, giving away money, inflation, you're seeing everything is happening. That's part of it. That's, that's what's bad about it. Now, here's, here's my thing. I take it in one context, put it in another. Just listen, listen. All these jobs, people don't want to go there. We're creating complacency in people's lives. What's the difference between that person and the Christian who says, I'm a follower of Christ, but they don't attend fellowship and they've grown complacent? What's the difference? What's the difference? Nothing. If you're out there complaining, oh, they need to go to work. Well, you need to get in fellowship. Well, they're just complacent. Well, so are you. See, why don't you take the log out of your own eye before you start criticizing everything else? Quit doing that. There's, there's just no difference between the two. The early church that gathered live, we gathered live stream. Now, I heard the statements a couple times. 
maybe four times. Oh, I just got late. And run into somebody and go, oh, come on, you need to come back to fellowship. Oh, I just got lazy. It's easy to watch in my pajamas or, what, or whatever they say. All I hear is wah, 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 wah. Well, no, I don't hear that. <laughs> bad gym. It's bad gym. Okay. Okay. You ready? It's not laziness. People say, I got lazy. Not laziness. It's a love issue. Let me explain. Mary Magdalene and the gals, early that resurrection morning, they do not believe Jesus is risen from the dead. The disciples don't believe it. They all think Jesus is dead in the tomb. But Mary and the gals, they're coming with more spices to put over Jesus' decaying, now stinking body. They put him in quick. They put spice in, but it wasn't complete. They're walking in the dark, early Sunday morning, resurrection morning. They don't know he's alive yet. And they're thinking to themselves, and they say, who will roll the stone for us? Who's going to do it? The stone weighs one and a half to two tons. How many know that's a lot? And you've got to roll it back uphill through a groove to, because that's the way it's rolled in place. But they're coming with those spices. We're going to get in there. But that thing weighs anywhere from three to 4,000 pounds. Well, we're coming. What motivates them to go to that tomb without even knowing if they can get in there and roll that? What motivates them? It's love. They love Jesus. They love Jesus. And they're going to serve him. They're going to serve him. It's not laziness. It's love. Do you love Jesus? Do you love Jesus? Is he number one on a list of one? Do you love him? Because if you love him, you're going to be where he's at. It's just that simple. Okay, so what do you do when you left your first love? Because Jesus spoke to this in Revelation to a local body of believers. And here's what he says. He says, but I have this against you. Can you imagine if Jesus was in this room and looked at you and said, I have this against you? Be freaking out. And he goes, and it's not from 43 years ago, Jim. I have this against you. He says that you have left your first love. And then he says this. He tells you the remedy. How to get back to it in verse 5. He says, therefore remember, and then by the way, if you're having marriage problems and things aren't working out, follow this plan. Therefore remember from where you have fallen. Let me read it and then I'll go back and and repent and do the deeds you did at first or else you ever as a parent going or else I am coming to you and will remove your lampstand that's the light out of its place. You'll, have, you'll not have light. You'll be walking in some darkness unless you repent. Now, here's what he's telling them. Look at this verse. He says, look, you want to come back to your first love? Listen, you want to fix your marriage? You want to come back to your first love? Remember from where you from. Remember the way it used to be. Remember when you were first in love. Remember that. Get that back in your head again. And repent. That means do a 180. What does that mean? Move from complacency back to commitment. Do something. And then he says, thirdly, and do the deeds you did at first. Go back and do 
what you did when you were first dating or first married. Go back and do those things. Now, you translate that when you left your first love to church people. Go back. Do you remember when you were maybe on fire for Jesus and loved him and you served him? Anybody remember that? Remember when you wanted to tell people, remember that? He's saying, go back to that. Get back in it again. Quit making excuses. Oh, I just got lazy. I'm complacent. I put in my five years. I put in my 15 servants. Really? I thought this was a long-term deal. He says, get back to what you're supposed to be doing. You know, I read this statement. I thought, that's true. This person, I, I don't know who said it, but I wrote it down. I wrote it in my Bible right there. It says, to fall in love is not a choice. But to stay in love is. When you first saw that person, you go, oh my God, who are they? <laughs> right? You just sort of swept off your feet. Like when Olivia first saw me, I get it. <laughs> you guys are mean people. <laughs> but to stay in love is a series of choices for the rest of your life, right? People fall out of love because they quit making the right choices with each other. To stay in love, you got to make choices. Same thing in Christianity. To stay in love with Jesus, you got to make the right choices. Fellowship. Read the word. Serve. Give. Be generous. Partner with people. Get in the ministry. You want to stay in love with Jesus? That's how you do it. Now, for anybody in this room who thinks, well, I don't need fellowship, Mr. Smarty Pants. Okay, let's see. Let me give you a benefit of many benefits. Give this one. 1 Corinthians 2.16 says, For who has known the mind of the Lord? Hmm. That he will instruct him. In other words, nobody. Then he adds, But we have the mind of Christ. Now think what he said. Who individually has the full mind of God? Nobody. But then he's, but we corporately have the mind of Christ. What's he telling us? As you come together and fellowship with people, that you're going to get a fuller mind of Christ to understand better your situation or Christianity, etc., etc. Any amens? It's beneficial to come together. Say this with me. Put the statement up on the screen. Uh, one, two, three. Decreased attendance does not lead to increased devotion. Everyone now to come on, hear me. One, two, three. Decrease Never will. Never will. Never will. Let me refer back and look. One, like I said earlier, if Olivia was in the hospital and if she, she was dying of COVID, I would have stormed that place because I'm going to be with my bride and pray for my bride. Right? So would you. Image, please. Yeah. Good looking, huh? <laughs> Talking about me up there. <laughs> I waited for a week to say that. Okay. <laughs> no. But that picture. <laughs> I, just, I just realized I can manipulate. Oh, that don't work. I should have done that first service. Man. But. Okay. Now this is like taking um, our wedding day, obviously. Next month will be 40 years. 40 years. Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> you could see, how many know Tony Orlando and Don? Some people would say I was Tony Orlando in the 70s. And then when I was a teenager, late teens, I'd go places and they'd say, are you a little bit country? And this is what happened to me on a regular basis. They, they thought I looked like Donny Osmond. <laughs> and then as I got older, people say, you look like Johnny Depp. You know, it's like... Now I just look like an old guy. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> um, but um, here's the deal. My bride, Olivia. Husband, do you have a bride? Is your bride essential? Is your bride essential? Louder? Okay, thank God you have the right answer, man. One of the descriptions of the church, of church people, ecclesia coming together, is the bride of Christ. We're the bride of Christ. And we should be storming the gates to come together. Storming the gates. It's not good for us to be alone. The bride of Christ is essential. And it should not and never be broken up or distanced from itself. <clears throat> I'm a movie guy. I gave you 21 years on this one. You ever seen that movie Castaway with Tom Hanks? It's a little slow, but I liked it. But Tom Hanks works for FedEx, and the plane crashes in the Pacific, and he makes it to an island. He's the only survivor. And all the FedEx boxes float on shore, and some opened, and this and that. And he's there for years. But do you remember there's a, it's a volleyball or soccer ball? Volleyball? First service, they were fighting over what it was. And uh, I said, let's not cause division in the church. And it's a Wilson brand, and he put that, I think it was from Blood, he put the face on it, and of course it's cut at the top like it's got spiky hair like it's a punk rock volleyball. But he talks to the volleyball, doesn't he? And he gives it persona, Wilson. He talks to it, and he even thinks, acts like it's talking back to him. And it's great, why? Because men and women were created for fellowship. It's not good for people to be alone. We need people. But then, he's waiting for those trade winds to change. And he's got everything set up because he's got to get over the breakers. And he loads everything he wants on there. And he gets over the breakers and finally gets picked up by a ship. He gets back home to America. But what I like was this. I thought, That's just a cool thing. If you caught it, if you remember it, maybe you don't. There was a package, a FedEx package that he never opened. And he could have opened it. He needed whatever he needed on that island. But he never opened it. And he brought it with him on that little raft to get out. Because he was going to deliver that package to that person. You see, he knew who he was, what he was. He's a FedEx worker. And because he knew who and what he was, he knew what he was supposed to do, deliver the package. You're a follower of Christ. And because you know that, and you know who you are, at least I hope you know who you are in Christ, you got a package to deliver. You got packages of fellowship, of prayer, for praying for others, of salvation, of sharing, of giving out hope, dispensers of hope. You have these packages to deliver. 
And if you know who you are in Christ, then you know what you're supposed to do. You know what you're supposed to do. We're to share. We're to come together. We're to come together as a movement to drive back the gates of hell. You got packages to deliver. And if you haven't been delivering your packages, you need to get back on the ship. Start doing it again. Because Jesus says, the gates of hell shall not prevail against us. Amen. I'm done. I'm good. Let's pray. Let's pray. You know, if you're here and you're not a follower of Christ, I'm just glad you're here. You may not have agreed with what I said, but I just hope that you think about this part now that I'm going to say. Jesus, who is God in the flesh, he comes to earth, he visits his creation for a specific purpose, to save mankind from their sins. He goes to a cross. On that cross, we know from Scripture, he carries the sins of mankind. Everybody sins. That's why he utters, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because God the Father could not be in the presence of sin. Jesus has experienced separation, something he never experienced before. That's hell. Hell is pure separation and darkness. The sky went dark at noon. Jesus utters, I thirst. In hell, it's also eternal thirst. He's experiencing hell. He's taken it for every human. And once he dies, they bury him. And three days later, he rises from the dead, seen by eyewitnesses. And he offers us eternal life. But we've got to put our faith in him. We've got to become followers of Christ. And if you've never done that, if you've never put your faith in him, wow, today's a day. Or maybe you back, maybe you realize, I am so complacent in my life. I'm not a follower. I'm just a Christian. I'm going to heaven, but I'm not following. I'm not in this game, driving back the gates of hell. It's time to get back in. So, if you would like to place your faith in Jesus for the first time and walk with Jesus the rest of your life, I'm going to give you the opportunity right now. Or if you need, you backslid, you know it, you're distant, you're far away, and you need to rededicate your life. Let's get back in the game and not live by the world's thinking. Then this moment, you rededicate your life. So everyone in this room, I'm going to say this prayer. Everyone repeat it with me. If you're in this room or at home and you're going to put your faith in Christ for the first time or rededicate your life, you say it out loud too. Say it out loud in this room with us. Say it out loud at home. You're watching it later on in the week or a month later, you say it out loud. Here we go. And you just put your faith in Jesus. Here we go. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me enough to die for me. I place my faith in you as my Savior, Lord, and God. Forgive me of my sins. And I know I'm forgiven. Thank you for saving me. Now let me pray. God, I pray for any people that said that prayer for salvation or rededication. I pray for you, friend. You just switched teams. You're on God's team now. And the enemy, the devil, don't like that one. 
But you switch teams. You're walking in eternal life now. In God. Jesus made the way. You need to get around other Christian believers. They'll guide you. Or go talk to one of the prayer partners after service to my left, your right. They'll guide you. Go to the Connect Center outside. They'll guide you. Or go on our church website. There are steps once you've made your decision for Christ. It'll guide you. Because you can't walk alone in this. It's not good for man to be alone. You need to come together now. Because now you're on a team that has a specific purpose. It's a movement to drive back the domain of darkness, the gates of hell. But you're saved. You need not fear death. Because when you die, this tent goes, but you have a building from God, not made with human hands, that is eternal. God will give you a new incorruptible body that never ends, that never ends. Oh, thank you, Lord, for the blessed hope. Thank you for saving people today. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. And we all said, amen and amen. Stand up with me, everybody. If you need prayer or dedicated your life to Christ, please reach out to us on our social media, on Facebook and Instagram at NBCC Norco, or email us at hello at NBCC.com. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to share and subscribe to this podcast.